Hello and welcome back to Witchfix and today I'm going to be reviewing a game which I feel like I haven't done for a while because honestly I'm kind of running out of games that have over witches as main characters usually because they're called something else because I guess witches aren't cool enough for AAA or even non-AAA gaming but this I picked up sort of by accident I didn't really realise that it was going to have as much occult stuff in it as it did but I really like this genre of games so I can't believe I hadn't really looked at the series before. Anywho, the specific game I'm looking at is Sherlock Holmes The Devil's Daughter which is by Frogwares and they have eight different Sherlock titles out at the moment. I'm not going to read you all of the names because they are quite long but there are eight. Only two of them are available on the Xbox One and that is The Devil's Daughter and the one previous to that which is Crimes and Punishments. Uh, the rest I believe Quite a few of the sort of middle ones were released for the Xbox 360, but they are not backwards compatible, which is a pain in my ass. But they are available all on the Steam store, and at the moment they're on sale, I think. So definitely go and look at those if your computer doesn't crash when you try and open two Word documents at once, like mine does, because I can't do PC gaming on this. It would just kill it. Anywho, uh, I heard about Sherlock Holmes and Devil's Daughter. I saw it being advertised because it was like new and coming out. And I thought, oh, OK, I might like to play that because it has devil in the title and it looks quite dramatic. Uh, I wanted to be sure that I would actually enjoy it, though, before I asked for it as like a Christmas present. So I bought Crimes and Punishments because it was super cheap on eBay. Surprise, surprise. And I played through that and I have to say I really enjoyed it. It's basically kind of reminded me of when I used to play the CSI PC games as like a teenager. You go around to like different areas, you click on things to discover clues, you question suspects and uh, you put together who you think did it and then you accuse that person and hopefully you've got all the right clues and you've gotten to the right conclusion. And the only slight differences in that are sort of the Sherlock things that they've put into the game. So for example, when you get enough clues to make a new deduction, it goes on to your like deduction mind map. So it's this sort of internal brainscape which has glowing neurons on it. And some of the deductions you make require you to make choices like oh this thing means that this person is innocent because of this reason or this thing can make this person guilty because of this other reason and depending on which one you pick it makes different connections between the other things that you found out and you can go back and forth and change your answers and it will lead you to different suspects and I don't think you can actually really be wrong like the game has a predetermined like this is the person who did it and this is why but if you find evidence to accuse another person the game will still let you play out the end of that case as if that person was guilty but obviously you won't get the right conclusion at the end and you can check your answer after you finish the case and then go back and change things if you've got it wrong which is quite nice the gameplay is either in third person or first person you can switch between them with the b button i started off in third person but honestly it was like trying to control a really spiffed up shopping trolley so i switched to first person just because it made looking for clues easier because sherlock's weird wooden limbs stop getting in the way and basically you go around you use sherlock vision to like notice things you also have the power of imagination so he can like imagine a sequence of events and you have to put them in the right order and different things like that and some clues you have to take back to your flat at baker street and you can use a scientific analysis table you can look things up in sherlock's archives and on a map and 
various things to kind of build your case. You do all of your investigation and case building, usually through mini games, which it, it gets you to do. So there's like lock picking, which you have to do quite a lot. And also things like matching up different pieces of a picture to like build the whole picture up. And also solving puzzles in a room to try and open a secret door, things like that. And then a lot of things just movement based following buttons commands like using a solvent soaked rag to clean paint off of a sign that's been recently repainted and you know various things like that which at the beginning of the game I did feel was slightly stupid but as you get further into it it does generally become like more immersive and you do feel like you're kind of doing the clue hunting which is quite cool and it did make me feel quite clever when I managed to solve one of these puzzles although you can actually skip most of the puzzles if you find them too difficult in Crimes and Punishments, you do get an achievement for actually doing a certain number of the puzzles yourself, but it basically makes sure that you'll never get stuck, which I think is quite nice to have. Now, the overarching plot of the game is quite slow to unravel because you get five cases in The Devil's Daughter, and only the last one is directly related really to the, the title and the kind of core premise of the game. There's the five cases are Pray Tell, A Study in Green, Infamy, Chain Reaction and Fever Dreams. Um, and over the first four cases, you also do kind of side stuff where you interact with Holmes's new neighbour, a lady called Alice. And at one point you break into her apartment to try and find out, you know, what's weird about her because she's taking a special interest in your daughter, Kate. And oh yeah, Sherlock has a daughter, which this completely confused me because I haven't played any of the previous games and I was like, when did he get a daughter? But it quickly becomes apparent that the daughter is actually not his daughter. She's like an adopted daughter and she is the daughter of a criminal that he has previously defeated. But I was at a loss as to know who that was or why and they didn't really tell me in the game. So I went to Google this to find out like what in the hell was going on essentially. And I found that I wasn't the only one confused by this. So John Walker writing for Rock Paper Shotgun uh, in his review of the game actually mentioned this. And I found this quite funny when I found it. So um, he writes, oh, and Sherlock Holmes apparently has an adopted daughter. What? I've played every Frogware Sherlock game apart from The Testament of Sherlock Holmes and cannot remember they're introducing a daughter character. And then there's an edit. So apparently she was introduced in that one, despite two of the RPS team who played it not remembering. She was entirely absent in the previous game, and it's weird that she recognises her father in this one. Uh, that's a reference to the fact that Sherlock has an entirely different face and is in fact a lot younger than he was in the previous game, Crimes and Punishment. So yeah, I found that a little bit peculiar and it did kind of jolt me out of it. I mean, Sherlock does pretty much immediately have a conversation with Watson where you realise that oh yeah, this is not his real daughter, this is just a daughter of a criminal who he's taking care of. And he hasn't told her that she's not his daughter. So that's kind of a major plot element throughout the game. You move through the other cases, solving them. They don't really have anything to do with the, the final case, but they are quite interesting. So the first one, you're trying to find a young boy's missing father. The second one, there's a murder at a bowl's green where you play in a bowls tournament the third case infamy uh, an actor is following sherlock holmes around to learn to be him for an upcoming role and he's also investigating an attempt on his own life so that's quite a, an intense case for sherlock 
Then in chain reaction, you're investigating the cause of a large traffic accident that's killed quite a few people. And then the final case, fever dreams, your adopted daughter is kidnapped and you have to try and find her. It's that last case where a lot of the occult stuff kicks in. It's mostly to do with like seances and spiritualism, which is something quite Victorian. It, like It's in a lot of films and stuff that like feature the Victorian era. It kind of reminded me of that one episode of the BBC Sherlock where they did like the Victorian era because I think Sherlock was like overdosing on something and he thought he was in Victorian times. Who can remember? And it also reminded me of the first film, the first Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock film because they have a lot of occult stuff in that. So if you like those films because of their witchy content, then you'll probably like this game more than previous Sherlock games because this has a lot of that and it is genuinely quite spookifying in that final case because obviously there's a lot at stake but also you go to a lot of very creepy locations and you see a lot of pentagrams and a lot of spell books and candles and ritual goings on and it's quite cool which is basically what drew me to the game and what I really enjoyed about it. On the negative side because I know I've said how much I enjoyed the game so far Although the game does look really, really pretty, I would say that it doesn't necessarily look any better than Crimes and Punishment. And in fact, in certain areas, I felt like it maybe looked even a little bit not as good in terms of the characters that you meet, um, which is odd because this is the more recent one. The backgrounds and environments are always incredibly pretty and the actual sound design going on as well. Like when you're in the sewers, you hear like the plinkety plank of water and the kind of creaking of floorboards and wooden things you hear wind whistling when you're outside birds insects there's like gramophones playing which is quite atmospheric when you're like at a garden party and a lot of that really helps with the immersion but aside from Holmes and Watson I think some of the other characters suffered in terms of their like character design which maybe wasn't as good as it could be it took me a little while to warm up to new Sherlock and new Watson, which I guess wouldn't be a problem if this was the first game you played. In the previous ones, he did look like an older Sherlock, uh, sort of like the adaptations that were on like Hallmark when I was growing up. But now he definitely looks more redesigned with Robert Downey Jr. in mind, in that he's younger, he's got quite a lot of flippy hair. He also seems to be a lot more kind of arrogant and more playfully mean than previously. He was just kind of wry and a bit sardonic, whereas now he's like lying on a sofa shouting about how bored he is in that Benedict Cumberbatch kind of way. And that's like my least favourite adaptation of Sherlock, so it just annoyed me just a little bit. Also different between this and the previous game, like Crime and Punishment I think was probably the best one. I know I've only played two, but a lot of people said that it was their favourite one and I can understand why. It's probably my favourite detective game that I've played. That didn't have a lot of action sequences in it, it was mostly just going around finding clues and stuff. There were some points where you had to like shoot a gun out of someone's hand and things like that, but those were few and far between. In The Devil's Daughter you have to do quite a lot of action sequences. Um, in one case you end up being chased through the woods by a madman with a gun. That sequence goes on about 25 minutes beyond it being amusing in any way and it's quite awkward because Sherlock is difficult to control at the best of times but at speed and under pressure it's just very hard and he gets stuck on things like his legs are made of wood so it's just not fun. 
There's also a, quite a protracted section where you're playing as one of the Baker Street Irregulars, Wiggins, and you have to tail a man through the street. And quite a lot of that is really annoying. It's sort of like playing Assassin's Creed, but without any of the choice in the matter, because you have to go to specific locations and use them as cover and then interact with specific objects to create a path forward. Also, when you climb up a chimney to get on the roof, which I'm still not entirely sure why we had to do that, you end up sweeping it. And it's like, I get that we're going up the chimney and we told the chimney sweep who was yelling at his small child to get up the chimney. We were like, oh, no, we'll clean it, mister. And then you go up. That doesn't mean you actually have to clean the chimney. You just say that to get in there. And once you're in there, you just like crawl up. But no, you have to take out a little brush and like brush chimney turds out of the way uh, all the while your suffocation bar is is going up and when I actually got out of the chimney at the top I was so close to the end of my suffocation bar that it came up with a screen that said you suffocated but then let me continue to play the game like it was confused about whether I was dead or not which was very weird some of the other sequences I think go along a little bit too long there's one case where you kind of imagine yourself in a pyramid and you're going through some puzzles and booby traps in kind of an Indiana Jones way but again that stretches out a lot longer than would actually be fun and the block pushing around puzzles where you have to play as Holmes and Watson to like move things out of the way it takes Watson so long to do things that if you get it wrong and try and move something to a position where it's not meant to be yet, it takes you a really long time to move it back. And it's just very time consuming. And that's time that I would rather have spent looking for clues and doing actual detective stuff. Some of the action sequences do fit in quite nicely, like when you're sneaking around trying to avoid being seen by guards. That felt very much like something that yes you would definitely have to do in that situation but some of them do feel like a little bit forced in because we wanted you to have a more dynamic experience god damn it and it just felt like oh why are you making me do this this is really weird another aspect of the game that i've seen quite a lot of people complaining about in reviews and justly so is that the loading times are ridiculously long they were quite long in Crimes and Punishment, but I swear they are now longer in this one, which doesn't really make a lot of sense to me because they were both on the Xbox One and this one is newer, so you would expect them to have better loading times, but it doesn't. The one thing I'll say about that is, although you can choose to just be on a normal loading screen with like a little twirly circle that goes round and round and round, mocking you with how slow the game is going, you can also choose to view a sort of weird little video of Watson and Holmes riding in a carriage to their next destination. And while that is looping with just Holmes kind of looking at the camera saucily, you can go into your evidence book and look through your evidence to remind yourself of the case and to try and make new deductions. You can also view your like deduction mind map and try and put together new evidence. So what I did generally was when I noticed I had new deductions, I didn't stop and process them at the scene that I was investigating. I waited until I was in the carriage going somewhere else because it ate up the time quite nicely. And just like I said about Dishonored, even though the the loading screens are quite long it does have a feature where you have to push a at the end of the loading screen to start the game again like to start the scene of wherever you've gone to which is very helpful so if you want to get up and make a cup of tea or go to the toilet which believe me in those loading screens you do have time to do possibly both it means that no cutscene is going to start while you're not in the room 
and you're not going to miss anything or die in a quick time event because you weren't actually at your xbox it does wait until you come back now i read the rock paper shotgun review by john walker before i got too far into the game i think i was still on the first case when i was just sort of looking around online for reviews and what people were thinking about it because i'd noticed some changes since the previous game and i read this section and really hoped that it was a joke but about halfway through the review uh he writes oh and it makes you play lawn bowls but lawn bowls with outrageously ridiculous physics and a crowd of toffs that actually boo and hiss when a ball finishes too far from the jack. And I was thinking, I know that it's made me do a few weird things as actual like quick time events or button push sequences or whatever you want to call it. But please tell me it's not going to make me play lawn bowls. But oh, yes, it does. And you have to play three rounds. You can't just play it once. And not once does it actually explain the rules to you. So if you've never played bowls or patank or whatever it is that you call it, wherever you're from, you're royally screwed because it's quite hard to like work out what the point of the game is. Also, what I found annoying is that it only lets you throw the ball on a curve, which I've never actually been told is one part of the rules of patank. So I was like, why can't I just throw it like kind of straight if I want to, you know, it just, it's very weird. And you have to kind of keep trying to work out where your ball is going to end up because honestly, it feels like there is no rhyme or reason to this. While playing those three rounds, I only managed to get one point and I'm not entirely sure how I managed that because the other guy won like five points in a row. And I was like, I don't understand how this game works. And then obviously you do get booed by the crowd which is slightly demoralizing so that remains like the one achievement for the game that i don't have it gives you achievements for like finishing all the other chapters but you have to <laughs> win at lawn bowls to get one of the achievements and i don't know if i'm going to replay that section just to get that i think lawn bowls was one of the skippable sequences but i don't know i kind of play games so i can actually play them not just so i can skip bits that the developers put in which really weren't a good idea but now i have to play so there you go contains lawn bowls i wish i could say that was the most ridiculous thing that i was asked to do but i would be lying although it did kind of put me in mind of something in crimes and punishment where you do an experiment to see if caterpillars could have been blown out of an air vent it's a long story and the way you prove this is by blasting watson with caterpillars from an air vent and then you get back in the room where he's just standing there covered in caterpillars and he goes, Holmes, it worked. But he's covered in bugs. So it's vaguely amusing. I think the key thing about the game is that although it makes you do a lot of very weird and odd and probably quite time wasty things, it is quite funny at those moments. And there is a weird kind of humour to it, as well as all like the drama of trying to solve the cases and particularly the end case where you're trying to stop like a demented spiritualist from murdering your daughter those two things don't necessarily go well together but it has both and i enjoy both i don't know if i enjoy both of them in the same game but i will probably play this one again once i've kind of forgotten what the cases were like because i feel like that's a downside for replayability is if you have a good memory like i do and i can remember who did it in like episodes of law and order and stuff that i saw about 15 years ago the replayability is not necessarily going to be there because you already know who you picked as the culprit and who the game said was the right culprit and if you're me then you've got the right culprit every time because it's really not that difficult i guess you could go through it for the novelty value of just accusing other people but 
I don't know how much you would enjoy doing that. However, if you enjoy murder mysteries and crime solving and games like CSI and the ones I mentioned earlier, you might like this, especially if you're in it for witchy things, because you do get to go and see some very witchy scenes, some occult scenes, and there's quite a lot of that in the final case. But also in preceding cases, there's discussions of like curses and various different objects that are very witchy and weird. So if you're hankering for something that has a little bit of that Victorian occultism in it, this is definitely a game that you should pick up. I would say pick it up on sale or pick it up off eBay or just somewhere cheap. Maybe in the Steam sale if you're a PC gamer, but definitely don't pay full ticket price for it because it doesn't really seem like it's worth that much to me. I would definitely put this around the I would pay £7 for it and no more mark. But do let me know if you enjoyed it and do get in touch on Twitter, which is at Witchfix and via email, which is witchfixpodcast at gmail.com. I hope you've enjoyed this episode and I'll see you in the next one. Bye.